What's up, everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Terror Table, a horror movie podcast that is presented by the Saskatchewan Podcast Network. This voice you're hearing is Mitch, and I'm about to be joined by my co-host, Boozy, and this week's very special guest, Jamie Nash. Jamie Nash is an author, screenwriter, and director. He has been a frequent collaborator with Eduardo Sanchez, the man who unleashed one of the most important horror films of our time, The Blair Witch Project. Jamie's list of credits to his name include Altered from 2006, Seventh Moon, Lovely Molly, Exists, The Night Watchman, and the segment A Ride in the Park from VHS 2. He has also written novels such as The 44 Rules of Amateur Sleuthing, Bunk, and his latest novel, Nomad. Boozy reached out to Jamie to see if he'd be interested in talking with us on the show, and you guys, we have been so lucky and so fortunate to have had such good luck with our recent guests on the show, and Jamie is absolutely no exception. Jamie is a fucking great guy, and he exceeded all of our expectations. This episode that you're about to hear is honestly a highlight episode of the show for Boozy and myself. It's great that we get to talk with so many interesting and cool people who work within the horror genre, but it makes it so much more special when you can just tell that these guests at the, are at their core, like the rest of us, diehard horror fans. And uh, to make the episode a little more fun, Jamie closes things out with a discussion on his favorite horror book, Horror Novels to Screen Adaptations. Um, there's a, he shares a couple different lists, and uh, they're pretty bonkers. They're, they're wild. It, it's very enjoyable. Um, we couldn't be happier with how this episode turned out, and we hope you all enjoy listening to it as much as we enjoyed recording it. Also, on behalf of my co-hosts, Kyle and Boozy, we would also like to thank everyone who reached out to us to let us know that they enjoyed our Goosebumps episode. So continue on with that fun trend that we have, we have decided to base our next series around a listener suggestion from our pal, Bevan. Our next series of films, will be, which will begin next week, will revolve around kid-friendly gateway horror movies. In this series, we're hoping to highlight films that had profound impacts on us as children, and we're hoping to learn a little more about ourselves revisiting these seminal, family-friendly horror movies all these years later. Uh, we'll be kicking off the series next week with my pick, which will be Ernest Scared Stupid. This episode has been a long time coming, and uh, we will announce the other films that Kyle and Boozy have chosen next week uh, at the beginning of the episode. Uh, but you can also check it out, check us out on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, uh, wherever you want to find us. We're at the Terror Table. Uh, you can follow us there so you never miss an update. And uh, while you're on Twitter, make sure you follow Jamie Nash. His Twitter handle is jamie underscore nash so give him a follow and if you dig the episode and are feeling extra kind send him a tweet and let him know that you enjoyed hearing him on the show uh but for now here is our interview with jamie nash all right and the terror table is thrilled to welcome screenwriter author and director jamie nash to the show welcome to the show jamie Thank you. I'm really happy to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Of course. I know uh, Boozy reached out to you recently because like you you have credits to your name such as Altered, Seventh Moon, Lovely Molly, Exists, The Night Watchman, and uh, the segment for, called A Ride in the Park from VHS 2. So we're all, like, all of us are fans of all of those things. So uh, we talked about Exists last week on the show. Also, yeah, Boozy funny and enough, I... we just finished a Sasquatch group of episodes. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Cool. Oh, which ones yes. did you watch? We did Willow Creek, Exists, and Legend Boggy. of Boggy Creek. Yeah, okay. Boggy. But, yeah, they're the good ones. It's funny. So with Exists, Willow, we, we shot Exists 
before Willow Creek was announced or started, but he shot that thing so damn fast that <laughs> he beat you to it. He, he beat us. He beat us. Well, I mean, we we had we had it in the can and we're in editing when he announced he was doing it, and he shot it and edited it in like two or three months and had it out like six months. It was amazing. Yeah. Where exist exist was like your typical independent film that took like two years to yeah you know just because you do a cut then you show it and then you try to sell it and then you do another cut and then you know so but yeah man he he was super fast i'm a big bobcat fan yeah did you did you like willow creek i i you know it was it's because we were doing one at the same time it was hard for me to give it an honest i'm not (laughs) sure that i ever watched the whole thing um i more watched like you know the stuff he did with robin williams and you know those kind of things world's greatest dad yeah, you know, like there's a lot of. What's the one about the dog? Uh, I can't think of what it was called. Oh, uh, I know which one you're talking about, he, but I can't. Uh. It, it was it was funny. He used to be a guy that whenever he came out with a movie, it would be like an event for me. But then he did Willow Creek, and I just, <laughs> you know, I just couldn't, I couldn't watch it. Uh, so, so I, you guys I'll, like sworn enemies on the down low? <laughs> I'll, I'll watch it. I'll watch it one day. No, absolutely not. Like I'm still a big fan of this. I, and I, I don't know that he's maybe, you know, I don't want to say this, but I'm not sure that he's made a movie since then. He probably has, and I'm just all wrong. I, he does tons yeah. of television. He, yeah, no, he's mainly sure either. he's mainly yeah. done TV since then. I know he did the documentary Call Me Lucky, uh, okay. which that was a really good documentary if you're interested in that. But that was, was that, awesome. What's that about? I probably I probably even saw it. Uh, it's about the comedian. He was a comedian, uh, Barry Crimmins. Yes, yes. Yeah. No, I did see that. Yeah, yeah. It was it was really good. Oh yeah. Um, no, he's 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 really good. I mean, I'm sure Willow Creek is good. Like I said, it was just I think between yeah. the found footage and the Bigfoot thing, right, the fact right. that he beat us to it, it was just yeah, like. The, oh. the nice thing is your your guys's Bigfoot movie is entirely different than his Bigfoot movie. And if you were to look at if you were to look at both of them side to side like we did, it's pretty obvious which one would take way longer. Yeah, uh, like like exists shows everything, and that's the best part about exists is there's so much fun squatch action in that movie. Yeah, Eduardo Sanchez, not to jump right in, but since it's organic, right? Uh, he he wanted he loves. Uh, I mean, the Blair Witch Project was really inspired by Boggy Creek and In Search of uh, that. That was his inspiration. So. His whole life, he wanted to make a Bigfoot film that showed the Bigfoot. Like, he just always wanted to do that. And this was actually our second Bigfoot project that we did. Uh, The first one was a bigger budget, and it almost got made by Legendary. And uh, I think Legendary took it up the chain to whoever, I guess Warner Brothers. And Warner Brothers said... Nobody likes Bigfoot. Nobody cares. They're not scared of him. He's stupid, you know. And and that one that one never got made. So then we cut. We we came up with another one almost on the fly, uh, and it was it was this exists. They were both titled exists, and, and um, and it was this one that got made because it was super low budget. Uh, right. it, was, it was just enough budget that we could pay, uh, for the for the awesome suit. You know, Spectral Motion did the did the suit right and, uh it was best just, looking sasquatch in film yeah by the way. That, that's where all the money of course went and it, yeah. it even got to the point like the script i originally wrote wasn't found footage but i think like maybe a month or two before we shot it we changed it just for budgetary it was like we can do it more on the fly they improved a lot of the dialogue um and it was just it was just 
so we could shoot it in like 22 days or whatever. So is there a lot changed from that to the found footage script then? You know, it's, it's not a huge amount, but they did improv a lot of the dialogue just because it's harder to do scripted dialogue with, with at least, at least in Ed's mind. Uh, right. It's just more, even at that point though, you know, found footage has gotten to a point where there's score in that movie. The shots are like, really a stretch that anybody would shoot those shots you know it, it got to that point and found footage we were at right. the tail end of found footage where people started to play with the model they weren't they weren't doing probably what willow creek did uh which was make you think it was 100 percent real uh it was just kind of a different way to tell a story so it didn't change a huge amount i mean all the set pieces were the same like all the all the gags were the same i think if anything changed it's probably just the characters and the dialogue because they probably improved more and let things come organically. So, so was it, was it your idea to have the Sasquatch like throwing bikes at the cabin and everything? Oh yeah. All those things, I think all those um, things I'm sure were in there, all that craziness. Yeah. I um, love that aspect of it. Cause that's something you never see is you never see Sasquatch actually getting vicious and throwing things at people like, and that's such a vicious Sasquatch that you guys had in that movie. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, thanks. It, it was a lot of fun. Uh, I, I wish we had made the big budget one. Maybe we will someday. And I know Ed even has one that it, uh, it takes place. It's a period piece that takes place like during Ooh. civil war time. Uh, oh man. Yeah. Like a, like a Sasquatch. That sounds amazing. Yeah. It's about I, not to spoil his thing. Cause he pitches us uh, sometimes <laughs> on podcasts, but um, it's about a, he, he wrote it with this guy, Mark Eaton before I even met him, like right, probably right after Blair Witch. And it's, um, it's about like this train in the civil war and it crashes into this giant tree and basically a family of Sasquatch, uh, set this trap for the train and then just it's in the snow and all hell breaks loose. Oh man. That's, I love that. That sounds like you can yeah. food feed me that story. I love it. Yeah, yeah no, it's badass. <laughs> it's, it's really good. And he, he hopes to make it one day, but that's like the, the $50 million, uh, Sasquatch right. maybe he wants to make. Yeah. Yeah. That's wicked. All right, man. Well, like, uh, let's get, we'll, we'll take it back to the beginning. We're obviously definitely going to be talking about your, uh, your relationship with Eduardo Sanchez and how, how all that began. Cause you guys are, you've been frequent collaborators over the years, but, um, we, we have you on this horror podcast show. Like we're, we're a horror movie podcast. And, um, I guess we're just curious, like you're obviously well steeped in the genre and, uh, like, have you always been a fan of horror or is this something that you just kind of found yourself doing one day? Um, do you, have you always considered yourself a fan? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I grew up in the eighties, so I grew up in the video store heyday. Um, it's weird. So I was a fan of all movies. I mean, I, I'm a big Spielberg guy. Star Wars was, yes. I was, I was six years old when I saw Star Wars. So, you so know, you got completely wrapped up in that. Yep. Yeah, Saw it in my theater, in the theater, got all the toys, um, all my friends. I remember this big day when all the kids started to collect Star Wars, um, Star Wars, uh, collectible trading cards and that right. they were a big deal. You know, it's just, it, Star Wars was everything. Um, I think Raiders was the movie that made me want to make movies because I, I started to see the matrix a little bit. I, you know, I knew Star Wars, I knew Jaws, um, then the, those two guys combined to make a movie, you know, and I was like, Oh, I started, oh, yeah. I started to know who the filmmakers were, you know, uh, George Lucas meant something to me. Uh, Spielberg meant something to me. So, uh, you know, I was a kid of the eighties and those were huge movies as was RoboCop, 
and oh, aliens. Yes. You know, Robocop's one of my favorites when I got a little older. Uh, Back to the Future. Um, we were talking earlier offline about Joe Dante and, uh, and you know, Gremlins was huge for me. Um, even Inner Space was a big movie for me uh, back in the day of Dante's. So I, I was into all that stuff. But even before that, I like my earliest mem- – one of my earliest memories was um, – I was always attracted to horror stuff. Like, and it, I can't even say why. I just know I was. You know, I was just, uh, I remember, I, I don't know if you've ever heard about the magic trailer. Uh, yes, the yep, yeah, there's a documentary about it. Yeah. We no, actually, is there? We just, we just talked about that last week because on Shudder, there's, uh, there's a TV series called Primal Screen. Okay. And they, they break down the magic trailer and how it's like terrified the living shit out of a generation. Okay. Yeah. So it's, I was it's one of those kids. I was one of those kids. It's one of my earliest memories. We've met a victim. <laughs> yeah. Do you guys have I, like a, a support group or anything? I, we should. We should. <laughs> what, what's weird though is it it sort of drew me to it at the same time because I you know a few years later I had like a creepy Charlie McCarthy doll and it scared the crap out of what? me. What? Why did yeah. you get that? That's I, terrifying. You know, I was probably just a couple years after that, but I had it and it would sit in my room and stare at me while I was going to sleep. But I didn't. <laughs> You know, so there was a lot of these weird kind of stuff. I remember my father's friend gave me a comic book of the uh, the alien comic book. They had this like yeah. glossy graphic novel. And uh, I think one of my sister's boyfriends gave me the Halloween 2 novelization as a little kid. And, you know, I so I dove into a lot of it in kind of a safe way that I could experiment. Like a comic book, you know, was a very safe way to experiment. Uh, a novelization was very safe. And then I caught a lot of the horror movies on my black and white television set, you know, at home. Uh, they, they would show Halloween like a couple of years later or something like that. And I get right. ex- the exorcist. I think I caught on my cheap black and white television set in my room. And I was totally drawn to that stuff. So there, there'd be something oddly cool about that to, to watch those movies, like as a young kid on this black and white TV. So it kind of takes away from maybe some of the lush colors you'd naturally see. That, that's right. That's right. It was a, it was a safe way to kind of get started with that. It right. was, I, I was probably eight or nine. And of course they, they showed a lot of other things like, um, creature from the black lagoon. I remember watching as a little kid and uh, a lot of those classics, like, I mean, King Kong and, and the, the old black and white stuff as well. But there was they they did show they did show all the Halloweens and stuff like that. They were the television version, you know. They were yeah. that that version. So the not they, fun ones. That, that's right. That's right. But um, to me, just seeing the shape there, you know, was terrifying as a kid. But I liked it. I liked it a lot. And uh, I also became a kid that liked to do haunted houses, and I was really into that thing. You know, I was always making a little haunted house in my backyard or something <laughs> like that. So. So, so it's been a long, while I love all movies, there's definitely a long horror thread and, and, and that extends to also reading books and things like that. I was, right. I was an early Stephen King reader, uh, early Dean Arcoons, uh, Clyde Barker was big time when I was a kid. Like I read the books of blood and the damnation game and all that stuff. So it, it it's kind of not just the movies, but, but also the other stuff. Cause on the, on the flip side of that, 
I'm not somebody that could argue like the merits of Sleepaway Camp 3 or something like that. Like I probably saw it when I was a kid, but I saw it and kind of moved on from it. Honestly, it's not that bad. I'm just I'm just yeah. going to come out and See, say that's, that. That's where that's where we come in. We're the guys that's who right. will, will will break down Sleepaway Camp 3 for people, but man, we are in good company today because you just hit <laughs> off like 30 30 buzzwords for me and Boozy here. Okay, good. I, I yeah. was going to say you got mad props because you said the shape you didn't say yeah. Michael Myers. I was like, oh. wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're That's a true fan, man. My, my uh, first experience was reading the novelization. Uh, oh, wow. How was like, that? I, I don't really remember, but yeah. it, it was Halloween two, by the way, it was the novelization of yeah. Halloween two. I read and I, re I remember as a kid, I loved it. I might've read it like 10 different times, uh, because as a kid to read it was just, it, it was exactly what I needed was, uh, a safe way to approach this horror stuff. I think it was a scared kid, honestly. And I think I will, I've heard like people say that in comedy, like comedians like to control the laugh. And I think right. a lot of people that really like horror kind of like to control the scares. In some True. Ways. No, that, um, that's why. That, right. Yeah. It's yeah. always easier to watch horror movies at home because you have, uh, you have the controller beside you. You can turn the sound down. It makes a lot of sense that you gravitate, gravitated towards like, you know, actually writing your own novels. And I yeah. believe you've written your own graphic novels, comic books. And mm -hmm. I think books and stuff like that, sneaking up to black and white television. And then I became kind of that weird kid that <laughs> I've said this before. And, and my friends remember me for this. I would literally wait for a half an hour behind a tree. So when my friend was walking home, you know, what at night I would just jump out and go, blah, and just we know somebody like that. Oh my god, yeah. yeah, he he was on the show for he was one of our hosts for 120 episodes, no. <laughs> he, exactly yeah. the same. He would he would put in that work to to get the scare out I, of somebody, yeah. I was committed. I, I remember, I remember You're being resilient. in the woods for like 15 minutes just waiting because there was this like connection between the back of our houses and I would just wait there and I'd be and like, you, it was just so there. worth it for you every time that was, 15 minutes. <laughs> and, and on the flip side, I would hate if somebody did that to me, Right, right. So, you know, it, but there was something compelling about it. I, Absolutely. um, I was wondering with you mentioning, like you just pretty much going to town on like horror as a kid, like, do you, did your parents just kind of like look the other way to all this? Yeah, they, they really did. Um, I don't know. I don't know what it was. Like my mother would be, I grew up Catholic, uh, right. and my mother would look and say, she, she'd make comments about like the books and stuff I had in there, but she'd never actively ban them or anything. She'd just right. say, there's a lot of gross stuff in your room or something, but she wouldn't say, and my father didn't really care. He was pretty cool with it. He wasn't into horror himself, right. but, um, he, he took me to see like, just as an example, I remember seeing the Blues Brothers movie at a yes. really young age. He took me to see it because I loved SNL at the time. Yeah. You know, I was a huge SNL fan. And he would he would just take me to see that. So he he didn't mind. And in fact, he gave me like that alien graphic novel. It was his friends that gave him and then he gave it to me. And um, I think he gave me other weird books. I remember a book series called Heroes <laughs> in Hell he gave me. And they were just wildly inappropriate for an eight-year-old or nine-year-old. But right. I guess... I guess he just, it was, it was the seventies and eighties and he's like, well, he's going to learn someday. So yeah. exactly. They were busy with other things. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, um, what about recently? Like, have you seen any, have you seen or read, you can even like throw in some books here if you want, but have you, has anything in the genre stood out to you in the last couple of years? 
Let me think about that. Uh, that's always one of those tricky, tricky, weird questions. I, I'm a big fan of, uh, I did like Midsommar. Uh, yeah. a, you know, I was yeah. a big fan of that. Uh, it's definitely a weird, a weird movie. Uh, I like The Witch. I, uh, you know, that goes a few years back. It's, they're, they're probably two that would go on my, you know, top 50 list or something. I know. Okay. I'm, not, I'm not sure where exactly they fit on my top 50 list, but they. So did you like Midsommar more than, uh, more than Hereditary? I did. Uh, I really, that's, that's a rarity, rarity here, honestly. But. No, yeah. I'm coming, I'm, I'm coming around to it, man. Oh, he's coming. Okay. never mind. I, I honestly, I wasn't crazy about Midsommar the first time I saw it. And, yeah. uh, I, I rewatched it over like when we were in quarantine and it just, it did something to me and I'm kind of in love with that movie now. I think it's brilliant. I I think it's I think it's it's really really strong. I think Hereditary felt at time. I'm not sure that Hereditary connected for me uh, altogether. All it felt to me like maybe thematically it didn't it didn't close the circle or something. Like it was just like lots of crazy wild imagery. It had themes running through it, but at the end of the day, I'm not sure that it 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 totally stuck like when i think back at what it was setting up i'm not sure that it was what it paid off so it's more like a a narrative issue i have than a feeling issue because in it i felt unsettled i loved the performances and stuff like that and i like it more going forward when i first saw it i was like i was like i th i think the guy's next film will be much you know it'll this this is an awesome director but i think the material was kind of it didn't quite connect uh, all the way, but anyway, it's just my opinion of that one. Right. But with Midsommar, I do, f I did feel like he one hundred percent did the thing he set out to do, and it was it was all. And, and the the interesting thing about Midsommar, I think he he wrote it before he did Hereditary, so I'm probably completely off base with that. You know, right. he, he wrote it, it; it went into production really quick after Hereditary went. You know, and he, he, he probably had more time with Hereditary. It was probably a more nurtured movie uh, where Midsommar, I think, was his more quick, uh, you know, let's go out and bang this thing out and get it done right. by a certain time. Yeah, because that thing came out quick. Like, it was like yeah. a year and a half, two, like two years max until it was, it was in theaters after Hereditary. It did. It did. And I, I've hmm. kind of completely come around to Hereditary to the point where that's probably in my top 52. Not that I ever disliked it. I just was right. like, it's one that I saw multiple times. Like it made me go back and see it and discuss it. And I wanted to talk to friends about it and stuff like that. So yeah. he's a director. I, you know, his, his movies will be an event for me every time mm -hmm. the movie comes out. It's um, so exciting that we have guys like Ari Aster and Robert Eggers who are, who are putting these movies out that people just keep coming back to over the last couple of years. Like, there are modern classics. They are. They are. Well, yeah. and and every time we have anybody on here, uh, that one of those comes, comes up. up. Yeah, one yeah. of them at least comes up, and, and the witch too. A lot comes up. I'm, yeah, well. the the witch is probably in my like top ten horror movies now. Like every time I see that thing, it just connects harder and harder. And like mm -hmm. I wasn't even that crazy about it the first time, and I just I, now I have a beautiful like Mondo poster that's hanging above my, oh, nice. <laughs> my mantle. Uh, I love it. I, I adore that movie, but I'm so excited to see his Viking movie. Oh He's I, yeah. I Robert think, Eggers is doing a Viking about. movie. That, that sounds awesome. And <laughs> apparently there's a witch in it as well. So <laughs> okay, it's going to be wicked. Yeah. Uh, it, it's yeah. the witch too, basically. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> the witch meets headhunter. Maybe. I, 
this year, I'm, I'm trying to think of what I've seen the, over the last like year or so. I really did enjoy Dr. Sleep a lot. Um, oh, so good. Yeah. And it, it surprised me actually how good it was. And another movie I rewatched and I'm not much of a rewatcher. Um, so it has to be pretty good for me to, to, to check things out a second time. Cause I'm right. I'll, I'll seek out like some horrible movie before I rewatch a good movie. It's just the way, you know, I'm always trying to find the new thing or cover all the bases, but that one, that one I rewatched it. I guess they did the longer extended cut. So it kind of forced me down that path. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to think of what it's, it's weird how I draw a blank. You, you, you would think coming on a show like yours, I'd pre I'd pre think this question. Oh man, no worries oh, about God, it. Words. <laughs> Oh, you, we can, we can move on. And if you, <laughs> if you think of something, we can come back to it. Or even if you want to mention it at some point, we're very relaxed here. So yeah. okay. Yeah. Yeah. No worries about you it. Know, I think the one question I actually didn't get to ask before we moved into that is like, even now, like what are your favorite like horror movies now? What are the ones that stuck with you? Like, like of all time kind of. Yeah. Thing? Like give us, you know, give us your, your top five or something or, or, you know, a roundabout yeah, yeah. idea. Like someone's holding a gun to your head <laughs> and they're saying that you have to give your top five horror movies. What do yeah. you, what are, what's your response? Or at least three. <laughs> We're yeah, nice no, gunmen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No worries. Uh, I, he's yeah, a patient the, gunman. The, <laughs> exactly. The, the one I, um, I, I was a big, uh, horror comedy guy. So when, I, and, and when we get to like how I even got started writing horror, it was mostly horror comedy. So the ones I, I go back to the, I'm a huge Sam Raimi guy. So evil dead, evil dead Two, even That's army right. of darkness. Um, but I'm also a big fan of dark man and quick in the dead. Like their yes. movies. I also love, and I love drag me to hell. I'm like one of these people that when people ask me about like my favorite movies of the two thousands, uh, drag me to hell would come into that. Into Absolutely. That. Wow. Absolutely. Yeah. I um, agree with you. So, so there, you know, I'm a big fan of his. I'm also a big fan of Peter Jackson. Um, so I yeah. love the early Peter Jackson, uh, kind of stuff that I, I used to have a VHS copy of bad taste that I used to watch religiously, <laughs> uh, because I think bad taste is one of those, if you're going to be a filmmaker, it's one of those inspiring kind of things. You know, when you see, he did like a rocket launcher shot shot or something with like a sparkler attached to a string or something, you know, and then right, he just, yeah. he was so inventive, uh, that that was a movie I used to go back and watch, watch a lot as well. But then go back further, like the scary ones that I liked Halloween, uh, you know, I'm a John Carpenter guy, the exorcist scared the crap out of me. So the movies that those movies I saw originally on that black and white television, right. um, even when I eventually saw them in color, uh, I think the exorcist is probably the scariest movie as you know, you'd probably find with most people my age. It's just, mm -hmm. it just hit. It was a phenomenon, right? Like, it was a phenomenon. It, it was before my time, but you know, I, so I caught more the echo of it. Um, but still it was, uh, it was a movie. I, I remember watching it and then I went to bed that night and I heard my air conditioner and it sounded like a whisper, you know, it was one of those scenarios. <laughs> it's Pazuzu. Yeah, it was, it was just terrifying. Uh, poltergeist is another one, but for, for other reasons, like what I like about poltergeist is, um, I like the Spielbergness of it as, as much as anything. Uh, it has, I like the family. I like kind of the whimsical part that start, it starts with before it gets to the meaner stuff. 
so Poltergeist is another one that I just I just so love. You're talking who, about the remake, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so so <laughs> Hooper, is Spiel, Hooper is Spielberg. Who directed it? From, from what I hear, you know, it's a really tricky question because I've heard people absolutely say Spielberg directed it. Like um, he had the, to have. The DP, uh, what? Who's the guy? He did Wishbox or Wish? Wish? What was that movie that came out a few years ago with Joey King? Uh, uh, wish upon. Wish upon. Wish upon. Yeah. So he came on somewhere, and I think he was the DP of, or his father was the DP of it, or something like that. I think his father was the DP, and he was on set or something. I now I'm mixing it all up, but I, I know I, I heard him in an interview, and I think he was the one that said Spielberg directed the whole thing. Uh, yeah. But then, then you hear like Mick Garris and stuff say, there's no way Toby totally directed the whole thing. But that's because Mick Garris is the nicest man alive. <laughs> he <is laughs> He's like, nice and, and you don't, you don't want to talk down on the dead, but let's be honest. Like Toby Hooper's done some incredible works. Like Texas Chainsaw Massacre is one of the greatest horror movies of all time. But like Poltergeist is a Spielberg movie. And I it, think even, even, Sp- even Spielberg has said that Hooper directed Polter- Poltergeist. But do you think Steven Spielberg needs any more credits under his belt right now? Like he's not going to be like, no, I did it. <laughs> I, see, here's a, here's my uh, being a guy that loves Spielberg and loves George Lucas. G- George Lucas had a way of producing a film where he was an author of that film, and I, yeah. I just wonder maybe that's what Spielberg did on Poltergeist, and that's I guess why that could be true. Yeah, the answer could be a little bit of both. Uh, yeah, and I no. guess he was filming. Spielberg was filming a movie like two blocks. It wasn't he filming ET like two blocks down the road. It was that's, like that's kind it of was on legend. the same lot. Yeah, yeah. he's on the same lot, and he was filming ET. But maybe his his hand as producer was just so powerful that yeah. you know music, editing, decision making, all kinds of stuff. He he just had a heavy hand in. But it doesn't necessarily mean Toby Hooper didn't direct the hell out of it. You know, True. himself. Yeah. So still that, such a great film, such a great movie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, to- Toby Hooper was, um, yeah, I'm a big chainsaw massacre guy as well. Uh, he, I, <laughs> we say I went to the Austin film festival. I always make this, this isn't really totally true, but he stole my, he stole my backpack. Uh, he, Toby Hooper stole your backpack. <laughs> somehow he ended up and, and it's, it's like my great claim to fame is that Toby, Toby Hooper stole my backpack with like was there anything good in there at least. Yep. <laughs> I, it was funny because it was the age when, as a screenwriter, as a newbie screenwriter, I would print my scripts. I would print them and carry them around in a backpack just in case you ran into anybody. I guess you'd right. drop your printed script on them. Not that I don't no, think I, I did you that gotta better. respect the hustle. That's the right there. Yeah. Yeah, so I don't know. I thought maybe Toby would read one of these scripts and then give me a call. <laughs> you know, yeah, I got your backpack. These scripts are awesome. Let's make a movie together. Like, like two uh, years later, he's putting out all these movies. You're like, that looks a lot like my script. Yeah, <laughs> and, and unless you think he actually stole my backpack, it ended up in his car on the way to the airport. Is what happened, and I. I, I never got it back. I think I got a call from like his assistant or somebody that worked with him or something and they were going to try to mail it to me and then it never happened. And so Toby Hooper, uh, ended up with all my scripts. That's awesome. I'm he sitting, took, a, I'm, I'm current scripts to the grave. <laughs> yeah, I'm right. current. Sure. I'm currently sitting across from a chair that had Joe Dante's butt cheeks in it. So that's my claim to fame. Okay. I, yeah. One of, a, I used one of our podcast chairs. We brought it to our film festival when he was here. And uh, he sat in it, so yeah, I pretty much sniffed that thing every night. <laughs> 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 <Just kidding. laughs> 
No, sorry, I didn't like, mean to cut you off there. Smells like mogwai. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Don't feed it after midnight. <laughs> yes, exactly. Let's talk about uh, you getting into writing and where that's all taken you, because you've had a wild career. Yeah, uh, it's it's surprising. Uh, so I went to college, and I used to. I, I was a big fan of making films and writing and all that stuff, but I, I became a computer science major. So I was a I was a programmer. But I used to take all the film classes. I used to take all the writing classes because I loved it. And I kept with it even though uh, for the next, I guess, 10 years, I did computer science. I was a programmer. Um, I worked, I, I did computer games. I did, it, it was during the dot-com boom that I did most of my stuff. Any that we would know of? No, it, I worked for this small company that you'd have to be a true weirdo to know. But some weirdo EA games. Know. The EA games, I, um, <laughs> a little company, <laughs> exactly. Sony. You know, it was it was a company called Avalon Hill, and they were a board game company. And the only reason you would know them is if you played uh, war games. They were they were like uh, military games, stuff like that. Right. And they they actually were around kind of around the birth of Dungeons and Dragons. So they they printed some role playing games and stuff like that. So I, I worked. I was their sole programmer. I used to convert their board games to uh, to computer games. They they contracted some people out too. So That's you amazing. would have never heard of any of the games. No, nope. I uh, well I I know you obviously didn't work on this one, but uh, Betrayal at House on Haunt on on the Betrayal at ha- uh, Betrayal at House on the Hill. Is right. an Avalon Hill game, and that's where I was like, "Where do I know that name from?" And I looked it up. I played that game tons. Yeah, no, I, I, I've had that game recommended to me uh, a few times. I didn't realize that was Avalon Hill. Avalon yeah. Hill was ultimately bought by Hasbro, so okay. it's an yeah, imprint of Hasbro. Oh, yeah, the I'm looking. Fish at, came out. Yeah, because <laughs> I'm looking at the rest of their stuff here, and it's uh, they have a Starship Troopers game though. Okay, what? Yeah, what's but, funny. What's funny about that is they had a Starship Troopers game back when I was there before the movie came out. So that's that's what this is. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, that's what I'm looking at. They also had a um, John Carter game way back in the day as well. I I doubt if they still have that one. (laughs) Yeah, crazy. (laughs) Yeah, so they did a lot of they did a lot of board games. They were the biggest, like I wouldn't say the biggest board game company, but the kind of the biggest niche. You know, that that was kind of different besides Monopoly and stuff like that. They were the they were the go to company back then so so anyway i uh i was a computer programmer and around the time (laughs) this is how sad this is around the time the internet started to become easier to use and of course i was i was an early adopter of the internet being i was doing it in college and stuff like that there was a lot of access and information that a kid in baltimore and maryland could get about screenwriting about getting your scripts out there and things like that, that I never had, as a kid, I remember I so wanted to write a screenplay, but the damn typewriter would keep me from doing it. I just didn't, I couldn't stand using a typewriter. I, there was no real knowledge. You used to have to like format your own scripts without software. Right. Uh, and I, I, I remember the, the only book I really had was Spike Lee's book on do the right thing. He kind of had yeah. a book on the making of it. And that was very influential to me, but there wasn't much I could do with that. I was like, and of course, when Kevin Smith and those guys came around, I wanted to be like them. You know, I was like, oh, they, they made a movie. I can make a movie. So, um, I got into it for that reason to kind of make my own movies. Um, I started to, to write screenplays to make myself. I never really 
did that because it was hard as hell. <laughs> it wasn't an easy thing. Uh, and I started to make shorts. I started to um, hook myself up with the community in Baltimore. Right. Uh, what were you filming with back then? Back then, it was a it was a Canon, but it was pre. I I can't remember what it was called. The Canon. Damn it! I, I wish I remember. It was it was pre twenty four P technology, but it was okay. It was it was just the generation before you could do video at twenty four frames per second. Like that was the new cool thing, and and some people that were super cool, they would just were using the camera that George Lucas used on Phantom Menace. You know that was just starting to show up, and uh, you know you'd see people like Robert Rodriguez or somebody do that, and they'd be like, yeah, it's the same camera they used on Phantom Menace. Uh, but we were still using some video, uh, again, but so I did a couple shorts and then I did, I did a one film that wasn't 24 P called two front teeth, which is like a really bad, uh, vampire Santa Claus movie. Um, I was going to ask about that cause I couldn't really find that movie. <laughs> it's, it's super hard to find. Um, I, I wouldn't even know, like I've, I've wanted to put it on Amazon, uh, yeah. but I don't even have the data or anything like that. I couldn't even re. I could probably take a CD and post, you know, I could probably do something because yeah. it comes up every now and then like, um, red letter media did a thing about it. Oh, uh, is it on best of the worst? It was, it was. Well, so really? last Christmas, I have, yeah, I'll have to watch that. And it, and it, it like skyrocketed in, you know, and people wanting to check it out. Right. And, uh, and, um, Joe Bob Briggs brought it up last Christmas too. Because uh, it, it, people had seen it way back when, uh, but it really is a movie that's hard hard to find. It is on YouTube. You can watch it on YouTube. There uh, you go, Boozy. I watch a lot of movies on YouTube, unfortunately. It, yeah, that's Boozy's favorite avenue to watch it movies. It, it was pirated on YouTube, and uh, I just leave it up there because I, you know, I'd rather people see it than not. <gasps> so yeah. see, I can finally talk to somebody about this because I find all these movies on YouTube and they're <laughs> perfect rips and everything, and I'm always like, well, if someone didn't want this here, they would take it down. So like, you guys are out there, just like, yeah, sure, fucking watch it. Yeah, I, I you know, people want to watch it. I just tell people to go there. <laughs> I'm like, and yeah, to be, like, to be uh, fair, most of the time, the movies that Boozy is watching on YouTube, it is that situation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> No, I could easily report it or something if I wanted to figure out a way to do it otherwise. Right. But I, it's like my go-to when people ask me, how do I watch it? Well, I'm like, oh, it's on YouTube. Um, some Lupus Obscura, I don't know if you've ever heard of Lupus Obscura. She does these reviews. She did a really good review of it once. And I used to send people to that because it was like a 40-minute clip-filled review. And then you didn't have to watch it. You could just see her commenting on it. <laughs> And just to at least see if you wanted to watch it, to see if it was the type of thing you wanted to watch. Um, but yeah, so I, I made that here in Baltimore. Like Don Doler, do you know who Don Doler is? Uh, Night Beast and uh, yeah, stuff yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, also Red Letter Media. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, so uh, actually, J.J. Abrams wrote the score to a Night Beast, I think, or something like that, uh, which is crazy. So he was he was working when I started to do this stuff. And um, I would watch their movies. There, there was a group, uh, there's this guy, Joe Ripple, that's a local guy that runs the Scares That Care now. Scares That Scares That Care uh, festival here. It's like a okay. heart, heart fest that, that gives the money all back to some charity. Um, but they, they were making movies oh. here. This was like early 2000s. And I would watch their movies and I would be like, well, yeah, I could, I could probably do something like that. And I mean, these are no budget, you know, right. begging your friends to help you kind of movies. 
Um, so anyway, to make a long story short, I was trying to do that. Um, I was writing, I wrote a script called Probed, which I was going to direct myself. And then I saw a thing on this thing called Inktip, which um, is a site that they'd send out a newsletter, like, you know, some producers looking for a vampire movie set in, you know, Florida or something. And, oh, cool. Okay. And, uh, yeah. And it was the, it said one of the producers of the Blair Witch or one of the directors of the Blair Witch Project uh, is looking for this for his next movie, is looking for something. So I sent the script probed uh, to this contact, which went to a producer in LA. And then it got back to Eduardo Sanchez, the director of uh, the Blair Witch Project, who it turned out had just moved within 30 minutes of my house. So, and that, and that was really my first you know, movie I got paid for in a big way or anything like that. Right. It was a, that was it became, Altered, though, correct, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, they changed the name to Altered. Uh, Dude, ultimately. I like that movie is fucking awesome. I don't know how you feel about it, but like I discovered it. I actually only discovered it this year. And I know a bunch of my friends actually discovered it this year as well. And like everyone that I know who has seen it recently has loved it. Like it is such a great alien movie. Yeah. Well, cool. No, I, I, it's one of my favorites because it's, it, it's one of my early ones. So it's, it's me like totally not naive and putting weird stuff down and, and just without any thought of or worry about anybody seeing it or anything right. like that. You know, it's just it was just a very pure expression of of who it's I a, am and what I like and things like that. So. And it's a man in a suit movie. Like I, I love I love that aesthetic of it. Like I, I just think you guys did such a great job on it. And uh, from what I believe, that's Eduardo's first movie since the Blair Witch Project. Like it was. that was, it was. Yeah, like I cannot imagine the feeling that you had that like your words were going to be adapted. By the guy who made this, like, one of the most seminal horror movies of the last, you know, 20 years. Like, 30 years. Like, like the, it's the Blair Witch Project is one of the biggest horror movies of all time. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's it's weird because if you meet him, he's such an easygoing, everyman kind of guy. There's no airs about him at all. He's just an ordinary person. So right. you don't think too much about that. <laughs> it's like Yeah, the, but that's totally what's so amazing about it. Yeah, he's, that's, he's a really good... He's a really good guy. He's the type of right. just a totally ordinary dude. Um, yeah. And like I said, he lived a half an hour away from me. We really vibe. We had a lot of the same references. We're, we're close enough in age. Uh, I, I love the Blair Witch Project. He I was, was actually going to ask, yeah, how you yeah. felt about that. Yeah, no, it was, it was huge. Um, my wife and I, before we were married, went on a date to see it, and she was terrified by it. It's still one of her favorite movies. Yeah. Um, I, I was kind of one of those smart marks, you know, I, I knew all about it before I saw it. Uh, right. And it kind of, hurt oh, you were that bit. guy. Yeah. I was totally that guy. Uh, See, I, I was eight years old, so I didn't. Okay. <laughs> like when I found out about the internet, um, yeah. like the first thing that I searched was jaws. The second was the Blair witch project because that was when uh, they were, they had all the, the advertisements on the TV being like, Visit www.theblairwitchproject.com for more information. And uh, it's actually funny. Like, uh, I, we have not mentioned this to anyone, and I think Boozy might be weirded out by the fact that I'm about to mention it now. Uh-oh. Um, but Bo Boozy and I, like, uh, we're actually going on October 1st. We're going to get matching Blair Witch Project tattoos. <laughs> oh, that's oh, awesome. Yeah. Because that was uh, our first our first episode of this show was uh, the Blair Witch the sequel, like Blair Witch, the, Adam Wingard. The 26th, yeah, the 26th, oh, yeah, yeah. the one you worked yeah. on. 
but we we want to get like an, an ode to the original Blair Witch Project because that's our that's the one that we like a lot. <laughs> yeah, no, that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, you know, he's the greatest guy. Uh, but no, it'd be he, cool. But like, the, it's just it's cool. I love hearing that uh, you grew up such a big fan of horror, and same with I'm. I'm sure Eduardo was the same way, and I'm sure he wasn't expecting that to take off the way that it did. Yeah, not um, at all. Not at all. Yeah, I mean, but it, and that that's kind of how you can tell that he might be a like a really good person because he wasn't setting out to make the the top grossing movie of all time. At yeah. that time, he uh, he was just making a movie with his friends, and like that's kind of what you were doing. But at right. the same time, you got the help of the guy who made that movie. You know, like that's amazing. That's right. That's right. And no, it, it was it was definitely amazing. And then once I was in with him, the weird thing that happened with Altered, and if you haven't seen Altered. It's nope, not on YouTube. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you can't get that on YouTube for free, but I think you can get it for three ninety nine. Uh, you can go check it out. Yeah. Uh, it's it's hard to find, and uh, I can talk about that super quick. Uh, yeah, of what, course. So what happened? What happened with that one was uh, Universal. We were we shot that at Universal Orlando uh, it, at the theme park. Uh, at the time, they were trying to make the theme park like a working studio. Uh, so. The, Altered was a big movie for them. They, they had planned to shoot it there because the Haxon crew was all an Orlando-based group. They they had they had offices in Orlando. Um, again, Ed had just moved back to Baltimore, but still, everybody else was kind of in Orlando. And Universal read the script because I think they submitted it to the theme park, and then it kind of got passed up the chain. And... Uh, Rogue Pictures at the time, and it was Seamus and Lindy ran Rogue Pictures at the time. Uh, they're they're like uh, they run they ran Universal after that. That was their next job was running. Oh wow! Universal. Um, they were like Ang Lee's uh, writer, uh, James Seamus. Uh, he did a lot of Ang Lee stuff. Um, and and they they purchased they purchased the movie outright is what they did. So we were you know they the Blair Witch guys actually raised the money because they said hey we're the Blair Witch guys. Uh, and they, they raised independent money to make the movie. And then when Universal saw it, they did a negative pickup based on the script and the, and the attachment of the Blair Witch guys. Um, so we made the movie and it was great because we had already, we were already in profit, you know, we were already in profit, Mm -hmm. started to make it. Um, and then once we were done, those guys moved on to head Universal and they brought in some other people and the other people just weren't really into it and they weren't really into any of the rogue picture slate. So they kind of just dumped the whole Rick rogue picture slate. So it kind of went from a, Oh, this is going to show in theaters to, Oh, we're just going to dump this as quick as possible. I don't, I don't even think we got a trailer on any other DVD. So it was a major disappointment. Oh, wow. Yeah. It was, it was really kind of just dumped, uh, in, in a way that it went from total optimism to total like disappointment that this thing just got dumped and nobody would really ever see it unless they found it on a blockbuster shelf. And they were like, and that's how a lot of people found that movie. They were like, what the hell is this? Eduardo Sanchez. Well, it kind of had cool artwork. I kind of like the, the, <laughs> yeah, the, the hands or whatever. Yeah. That, yeah. That, I think that's hands. Yeah. The shadowy <laughs> tree hands or something. I'm going to, I'm going to be honest. I didn't like that poster. I'm, and I'm the, not the fan of the poster myself. Yeah. Yeah, I I worked at uh, I worked at Rogers Video when I was in high school. I'm not sure if you guys had that in the states, but that was our our local video shop here. And um, 
that I remember it coming into the sh- in, into the store, but I I hadn't seen the movie until 2020. Yeah, and it's because it's making its rounds on the internet. I've seen I saw people talking about it on the internet, uh, being like, "There's this crazy alien movie that Eduardo Sanchez directed that no one has, like, no one seems to be talking about that came yep. out like all these years ago." And then it, it kind of seems like it might have a, a second life, which you know, like. Some, uh, you know, obviously I'm not going to say like the altered is the next, the thing, but the right. same thing happened with the thing. Like, you know, you know, it wasn't embraced when it was in theaters and, uh, it's, you know, people are going to discover it and they're going to enjoy it. Cause it's, it's a really cool independent horror movie, man. Yeah. It's, it's hard to find. Um, I'm also I, a plumber by trade, so I appreciate okay. that. I appreciate that the, those guys are are plumbers. <laughs> <laughs> this is his movie, the plumbing yeah. movie. Yeah, I think I think the big moment I, I saw because I, I I was on set. It was very exciting to be on set, but I remember they had like a car driving stunt where the big plumbing pipes fell off the top of the van. <laughs> so that's that's about what I remember from the plumbing scenes. Um, I have, I have always thought that I've always been like, man, a plumbing vehicle is just like, it's just a brick of death. Why haven't, why hasn't anyone capitalized on this yet? <laughs> That's hilarious. Uh, yeah. They so could, how, could have been the new Mario movie or something. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I was going to ask moving forward, like how did it become that you and Eduardo kept working together? Was it kind of like that awkward second date where it was like, did you have a good time? I had a good time. And then you guys like kept moving forward. <laughs> I, you know, I, I think more what it was, was it, so Altered took a while to, at least in my mind, uh, cause I had never been through that process before rewriting and rewriting and rewriting. Now, many years later, I realized that's the whole job and that's all I do. You know, that script, I probably rewrote like, Oh, I, I thought we were done. And I probably rewrote it like five or six times with him before I got any money. You know what I mean? So, right. was, so you I, had to work for it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I had to work for it. Now I had a day job at the time, which yeah. made it both easier and harder. Uh, you know, but it, it took a long time to get through that. So we got to know each other real well. And we, again, we were, we lived near each other's, we were very close in proximity and, and we thought altered was going to be a big deal. So, right. We, we actually went right into a couple of things. One, they paid us for some altered kind of sequel stuff uh, that we oh. almost immediately went into. And it was more like a Bible, like, like where we could potentially go with if we did. We had that's your, that's your altered extended universe? We had, I did. A, it was the, one of the greatest uh, jobs I ever got. They like paid me to do an altered extended universe. It almost was like writing a role-playing game manual or something. <laughs> That's um, awesome. It, and it had hints of where the story could go and things like that. And and really, ours was kind of, it was going to be kind of Mad Max to Road Warrior, where the next the next episode was like, the world has been invaded by aliens, and there are this group of altered people, you know, kind of existing, and here's what happens. So, and, you know, in our minds, in our optimistic minds, there was potential that that could really happen. Um, right. And then I wrote another spec that became the novel that I currently have it out called Nomad, which it's, it's a little bit like nowadays, like I think Pandorum. Did you ever see Pandorum? Yes. Yes, it is. Pandorum ultimately shut down that, that story because it was very similar. It was like people wake up on a spaceship. They don't know how they got there. It was that kind of thing. So I eventually wrote, turned that screenplay into a novel, but we, we had rolled right into that and we were trying to produce that. And then when Altered got dumped, we kind of just, we had to go in some other directions, but we, we were so used to working with one another, uh, that 
we just had a million fingers <laughs> and a million different pies, so to speak. So it was it was pretty easy transition from that point okay. on. And it just kept rolling like that for several years. Well, I think that's that's a good time to mention that, uh, like, honestly, man, uh, this isn't all this isn't just bullshit. I'm not sure how your bullshit meter is, but I'm not lying here. <laughs> lovely, lovely Molly is a it's a favorite of both Boozy oh. and I here. But uh, it's and we recently did our top 15s of the last decade and it was on Boozy's list here. Uh, so it was one of it his was favorite horror movies. Yeah, it was very high. It was one of your favorites of the last fifteen years, and yeah. I I just rewatched it on Sunday again, actually in preparation for this. But honestly, man, Lovely Molly is one of the most like underrated, overlooked, and like widely misunderstood genre movies of the last decade. And uh, I just I never really picked up on the. Have you seen Have you seen the Entity? Uh, years ago. It's been a long time. Since okay, because I was wondering if that was any sort of inspiration. Because, like, I actually, because it just was, it, it, they're obviously entirely different movies, but there's like a little thread in there that I was wondering. I was like, I wonder if Jamie has seen, yeah. has seen the entity. I, because uh, I'm sure Ed and I have both seen the entity. I just don't remember. It's like there are right. a couple of movies like that that I saw once, you know, in the 80s or maybe even twice. Um, I saw everything in the 80s. I mean, that's just what you did. There yeah, were right. a couple of channels and. So I'm sure I've seen the entity. I just, I, I even think it may have come up in conversation with us. So I don't think you're too far off, okay. but I, I just don't remember it at all. Right. <laughs> yeah. For sure. no, like, um, I definitely want to also say that like, if Mitch passed your bullshit meter, like I too, like that is like yeah. one of my favorite movies. And I just want to know like how that started as a basic idea and where it went from there, because you're, you're writing like some pretty heavy shit from a female perspective. Right. Right. I, so that movie started, it was really interesting with that one. And one, it's funny, Hereditary, when I saw Hereditary, I saw a lot in common, you know, with, totally. with not, not saying that Ari Aster sold uh, Lovely Molly or anything. I just well, saw a lot. Of, yeah. A lot of what I saw in Hereditary, I was like, oh, the, the things I like about this, we right. did that. So I, I, you know, I was, I was happy to, that, that we did some things like a movie I really liked, but as I remember, it got started in kind of the, the lamest of all ways. Uh, it got started in, so Ed did not want to touch found footage forever. Right. Uh, you know, he was like, yeah, you can't do that again. Never do that again. I'm never going to do found footage. And that's the way it was uh, between us for several years until Paranormal Activity came out. <laughs> and he was like, holy shit, I guess that's what I should have been doing, you know, <laughs> it, it made so much money and, and it, it kind of showed that it wasn't just a one-time gimmick. Like you could do it again. Uh, I think paranormal activity more than anything else, you could say Cloverfield and stuff like that, but that's a whole nother thing. Paranormal activity showed you could do almost the exact same thing with the Blair Witch, you know, again, and then, and make money off of it, you know, right. make totally. million dollars. Yeah. Um, and we were in a position where we were trying to make movies for, for low budgets where we weren't, we're not exactly people that were chasing like $60 million budgets. Right. Or $40 million budgets. So I think, I think I just came up with the idea one day that why don't we do a possession movie that's found footage? Cause it hadn't been done at that time. I know since then it's been done 50 times. Right. Um, and my idea of it was at first was just this woman thinks she's becoming possessed so she documents it for the church to do an exorcism from her that's kind of right. that's kind of where it started and i wrote a draft like that that had a lot of the same things 
that this movie had, and I don't think it was found footage. I think we backed off of found footage right away. And, and cause I don't think Ed was still ready to totally commit to found footage. He wanted to do mixed found footage, which is what the movie is. It has yeah, little yeah. elements of found footage. And my draft had the wedding. It had the, the creepy deer scene in the end. It had the, the tongue bite scene, you know, I, but oh, by the way, I'm kind of a gag guy. Uh, so like they're the kind of things I, I love coming up with. Like I'm like that person. Like I'm like, what haven't I really seen before? And I, I love going into these. I think the you're deer, that, that kid who's like, what if this thing stabbed this? Yeah. This yeah. No, I'm, I'm totally, cause I kind of come from a comedy background. So right. I'm always like, and again, I'm the kid that jumped out of the tree at people. So I'm trying right. to, you want to get a reaction. I, yeah. I'm trying to plan that. I'm thinking ahead to like, how am I going to jump out of the tree at these people? Right. Um, so no, I do think Ed came up with the deer. Like that's just some weird ass shit that he'd come up with. He's that he's that guy. He totally came up with. But like deer. I've never like maybe I just haven't seen it. But like that scene specifically in the basement, like I hadn't seen something exactly like that before. It was it was really cool yeah. to have that whole scene go through. Yeah, you kind yeah. you kind of know what's going on, but at the same time you're like, what the fuck is actually yeah. happening? Right, right. And so I wrote that draft and then Ed went back and he was like, I, he brought most of the, like the drug, the addiction stuff and all that. Right, right. So that was, that was a large part because, you know, he, he hadn't really written a screenplay himself in a while. So he went back and he wrote the second draft and he put almost all that, that drug <laughs> stuff. So he that. took your whole thing. And he's like, what if everyone does meth now? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And and I honestly think that movie is a really good indicator of like Ed's sensibility. Like that's the kind of movie that if he had his brothers, he would make a movie that's, you know, it's kind of a little, um, hereditary in that it's right. It's, it would be a Sundance movie. You know, it would have some other kind of content in it. Right. Um, and it would be very dark. Um, it, it definitely is so Molly's dark. dark man. To be, yeah. Like it's like, so honestly. fucking dark, man. And yeah. I, I just want to point out, like, because I'm not sure if you wrote this, but this is like a sort of gag, lo loose on the gag uh, in Lovely Molly is like one of the scenes that really stands out to me that I just find is so uncomfortable, which is the scene that made me kind of think of the entity is uh, when she gets called into her boss's office and she has to watch the camera footage of her in the hallway. Oh, and yeah, like, yeah. To me, that's like I like that. It's so upsetting. It's right. so upsetting to see. And it's also something that you can't explain. So it's such an awesome and cool plot device that mm -hmm. just like pushes the story in a really interesting direction. And you have truly no idea where it goes. But I think I think that movie like there there had to have been like a lot of lazy viewers because I, I don't think that movie ever got the, the love that it deserves. It, it had a smaller um, it was image who distributed it. So yeah. it just didn't have a, as big a footprint as right. some other movies. Yeah. It, it, it was pretty well watched. It's like, you know, of all the movies, cause I made a lot of movies at, at this point and they're really hard to make money at this level. Like they just, they just don't, that's one of the few, that one's been seen by more people, you know, enough to break even, at least, right. you, yeah. you know, uh, which is, which is always good <laughs> that, that yeah, didn't no lose money. Uh, yeah. So, so that one's gotten out there more than. It's kind of a little, an underdog movie for sure. It um, really, like I've been talking about this movie for years. And I remember when I, I first 
bought it um and i was like talking to people about it like no one had seen it or else they were like oh, i'm not that into it and i just like kept going like this is a really good movie people need to watch this yeah boozy boozy is one who got me interested in it and uh yeah of course my girlfriend it was also in in her top 15 like man and, and not to say, like uh, that's like me saying oh it wasn't yeah. in my top 15 but right, it's like right. no, no it's just because i love i love a lot of movies but it's i really really love that i do love that movie i think it's great and uh on a repeat viewing on like this sunday it's gone up in my book since then like i haven't talked about this with boozy yet but i've, I've re-watched on yeah. sunday and it's like man it was even better the second time like oh that's cool that's it's, cool. it's yeah, a really it's of- a really great movie yeah, in it's, terms of possession movies too, like it it sticks out from it's different. There are there are a ton of possession movies, and there are a ton of good ones. But like this one sticks out so much to me because it feels a lot more real. Like right. it's 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 something you or could you love experience. Lovely Molly. Oh, I love it. <laughs> yeah, that's my girlfriend. She loves lovely Molly. Just I, as much this time as last time. Say, hey, Jamie Nash says hi. Yeah, <laughs> Nash says hi. It's the writer of that film. It's um. <laughs> it's, Sorry, we're very professional here. Oh no, no, that's awesome. Uh, thanks, thanks for checking it out. It's it's a movie that um a lot of women actually I find do like that movie. I, I yeah. don't know why or or how, but a lot of uh, the women horror fans. Are real that movie really appeals to them did you guys have anyone like uh, like your wife or something come in and go like no woman would ever say this or anything like did you or are you guys like this is kind of how it goes it, it yeah. was it was slightly pre-woke days so probably not okay. <laughs> you guys right. did a really good job of that though because like there's so yeah. many times where you can watch a movie that's like written clearly written by a male covering a, a female like protagonist and it, they're so clearly out of touch with like how a female would actually react, and that's not the case at all in Lovely Molly. It's so authentic. She, and, so the, and the actor, you there, guys are very, in, you guys are very in touch with your feminine side. Gretchen, the actor there, was, uh, you know, She's she was, so good. She was just found like in an audition in New York City, and uh, you know, and, and again, uh, to Ed's sensibilities and the type of movie he makes, she she's somebody that maybe not everybody would pick when she auditioned, right. but he looked at her like she is the most intense, like, you know, out of nowhere. The t- in, oh, to him, that's, she has like a stare when like she gets going. That's yeah. scary. Like, she, she's great. And her relationship with uh, Johnny Lewis is what also like oh, rest in peace. He, he's amazing in the film as well. Yeah. And he, and uh, Gretchen, he compared her to Heather uh, when he saw Heather from the Blair Witch Project. He said uh, a lot of what he saw in her, he saw, you know, they, she just kind of walked in and she was just so different than everybody else. Right. It's so much more real. Uh, totally. So he gets, you know, again, that, it's a movie very much that when I think of Ed, I think that one is, is very much to his sensibilities where mm-hmm. he pulls towards. No, it's a, it's a great one. It was, it was fun to make cause we made that here. Uh, so we all went home to our beds at night and, uh, and that was that's the only movie I think, if I'm remembering right, that we've made here. So right. um, that was really cool too. Did Did you take any like research in terms of like paranormal stuff, or are you just kind of throwing everything at the wall and being like, "Well, this would be cool. This would be cool." I I'm a big paranormal like I, I'm a skeptic, but I'm okay, into yeah, yeah. I'm into all that stuff. I read it all. I you know I I watch the shows. You know. Yeah. I, so I have my own theories or I have my own mythology. I've kind of built up around that stuff over the years. Okay. And I think, I think a lot of that though in that movie, what was interesting was, and it was funny cause I think I was the only person that got paid and I got paid to do the <laughs> transmedia stuff, right? They had some right. extra money 
And they said, Jamie, why don't you go off with the crew? And while we're shooting, you can do like small subjects and stuff like that. And eventually they were going to Blair Witch it up and make like um, websites and all this other stuff. Right. And so I went around and I did that. And the cool thing about that, they started to use that on the day. So like, I, I knew like the horse stuff was all over the place and Ed saw that and he was like, we need to mix this in a lot of the weird. Oh mythology yeah. The horse stuff. stuff. Yeah. I totally yeah. forgot about that. The, the symbol, that weird symbol was something, um, an artist, I got an artist friend of mine to make, uh, it, so a lot of it was very organic that we, right. That stuff was just kind of slowly organically brought in, uh, Anyway, that's that's a, it was it was a lot of fun, uh, and and all that transmedia stuff. Again, YouTube is our friend. Uh, they ultimately just made it a little uh, package of four videos, uh, right? Kind of like true crime things, and they just so if you ever want to look at that, you could see I, it. I actually managed to get a, a copy, an actual okay. copy. I made oh, sure cool. to get one. <laughs> oh, cool, cool. Yeah. So uh, there was something else. I don't remember what I was going to say. There was one other thing that popped into my head while I was doing that, but uh, maybe I'll remember it in a second. Yeah, if it comes yeah. back to you, that's cool. But uh, we'll keep going here because we know uh, Bo- Boozy asked you to prepare a list of what, what What did we decide on here? Was it top five favorite books or was it film adaptations? Yeah. And so here's how I inter- It's funny. I said that he, he basically said, hey, come up with a topic that that's interesting to you. And again, cause of my background, cause as a kid, I was almost as into books as I was movies. I thought this would be an easy topic, but yeah. then I realized this isn't, or the problem is it's too obvious. Like the answer is almost too obvious. Right. Uh, so, you know, I think however you interpret this question is your own interpretation. Right. Of what you think of it just makes me attitude. sound so I'm like, I don't know, figure some shit out. See you in a week. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, but well, we like to this is the like peak to, behind the curtain. Yeah, yeah we we like to make it exciting for our uh, our guests that come on the show, and like it also gives our our listeners a chance to check out some things that you're inspired by. Yeah, uh, I, and that's what I meant. I wanted to take the blame for this one because um, I came up with this goofy uh, topic that then when I started to do, I was like. Damn, they're so obvious. <laughs> Why so did I, I choose this? So, so I start, I kind of did two lists. I did two okay, lists. Perfect. So here's the list, the two lists I did. Uh, do you do lists as well? Do you have yours to share or is this just for me? This uh, is just for you. Okay. Yeah, we kind of okay. just talk about whatever you brought up and stuff uh, yeah. like, yeah. So so my first list is is the the best book uh, movies that were made from books. They were adapted from books. Right. But then the other list I thought was more interesting. And they were, I, I thought what are books I read before I saw the movie? <laughs> so, and that was a very hard list to write. And most of the movies I even put on there suck, but they're interesting <laughs> to talk about. Um, so I feel like we like put, set you up to do all this homework. So are we about <laughs> to talk about the lawnmower man for half an hour? <laughs> it's kind of like that. You got it. You're exactly on the, on the, on the term. So let me go through my, this is my quick top 10 list. And honestly, this is what I mean. It's so obvious. They only got to nine for some reason. I don't know why I didn't throw a tenth on there. You throw a Stephen King book on there. Yeah. So I did. I put nine as Rosemary's Baby. Uh, oh, so that's, okay. That's, yeah. that's back at nine. Have you read uh, the book? So these are ones I've seen the movie, but may or may not have read the book. And oh, okay. that particular okay. book I have not read. Uh, I, I never read Rosemary's Baby, even though I should have. Um, uh, Carrie, which I did read the book. And I'm a big fan of the book because it's, 
it's one of those short Stephen King books. <laughs> yeah, it's very short. Yeah. You, you mean you don't want to hear about his hometown for three hours? Uh, no, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's funny because when I was thinking about all the Stephen King books as a kid, I like some of the long ones, like The Stand yeah. and uh, It and things like that. Nowadays, I love the lean ones. So it's like Gerald's Game, yeah, um, Pet Cemetery, the Bachman books, you know, things like that. Carrie. Totally. Um, yeah, they're, they're the ones I like. Uh, so number seven, I had Let the Right One In. Uh, yes. So good. Yeah. Uh, number se- and I'm kind of flying. Have, have you seen the uh, the American the version? I, I have. I have. And I, what did I you, like, what I did you like think the of American it? version, but the other one gets under my skin a little more. Uh, yeah. I, you know. Maybe just they're both they're both good movies. It's just that the the American one is just like kind of unnecessary. It's unnecessary, and I had it's just good. Seen, but I just seen the other one. I mean, yeah. maybe if one didn't exist, and I had only right. seen the other one. Yeah, uh, but yeah, it's kind of unnecessary. But it's it's well made. Um, so number six, uh, Hellraiser. I was, and I did read that book. Uh, you know, back in the day, I was a big Hellraiser fan. I just reread it like a couple years ago. I just reread uh, it last yeah, year Mitch too. That's too. it. Yeah, yeah, it's a great, it's a great novella. And again, it's super short, like 163 pages. You long. can read it in a sitting if you want. Yeah, yeah. No, it's a yeah. great one. I, or I'm while such you're a beautiful on the writer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so num- number five's The Shining, which I'm a big The Shining fan, but it's funny. I'm not a huge fan of the book. Like I've never. I think I read a it man. back today. A, man. Man. <laughs> a <Yeah>. man of culture. <laughs> no, I, okay, so I'm I'm with you in the sense that I think that Kubrick's version is better. Yeah, yeah. No one agrees with me, though. No one that I know. Yeah, I'm I, sure the internet might. Here's the thing with The Shining. it's It's got so many great images, you know? Yeah. I, I mean, I can't think of any movie that has almost that many different, you know, awesome horror images. You know, iconic right. images. True. Uh, it just, you know, plus it's got Jack in it, you know, uh, plus it's got, uh, you know, it's, it's so good that yeah. I'm a big, the shining fan. And it's another movie that kind of gets under my skin when I watch it for some Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so the next one is, is a really important one to me because I think this is the, <laughs> ultimately I'm a body horror guy. Like a lot of right. the stuff I write is body horror. So the fly is, and by the way, I barely even knew there was a fly book. Uh, I knew there was the original movie, but I, I don't even know anything about the original fly book, but I saw that it was a, it was a book first. So I'm going to be honest. I had no idea that it was. Yeah. A book. Neither did I. I, I almost have to check it out now. It, yeah. We, you know, we just, we did an episode, like I think it was like 20 or 30 episodes ago. We did the original, like the 1950s version and then yep. the, the Cronenberg version. Uh, but I had no idea it was a book. So the 19, yeah, I had no idea either uh, until I kind of was messing with doing my homework here. And I was like, well, what, you know, I, so I got the master list and I started looking and thinking and stuff. I saw the fly and I was like, I have to put the fly. It's like one of my favorite movies. I, I yeah. cannot put it on there. Um, by the way, the 1950s fly is another movie as a kid I saw on the black and white TV. And oh, it was probably, that looked so good on there. It was probably one of the scariest movies I saw as a kid. Uh, that help me, help me thing. <laughs> so we good. always joke so about scary. that. Yeah. So damn scary. <laughs> no, so that, good. that movie completely freaked me out as a little kid. Yeah, uh, great. So the thing, uh, obviously, you know, that's going to go on these lists. Um, the exorcist and jaws I put as my number one. Uh, okay. 
Oh my god, man! I am so excited that you said that. Uh, this is very weird, but okay. So, Jaws is my favorite movie of all time. Okay, and I had I never read. I had never read the book. Yes, yes. I an hour ago, like literally, I the reason I was like two minutes late to this podcast okay. was because I read the last few pages. Oh wow! Yeah, I finished. I finished I it. Him read it. So he's yeah, I, I I finished it for the first time today. And what did, uh, I know it has all those weird threads in it and stuff. And I think it's still great, man. I think it gets such a bad rap. Like people are so hard on it, but uh, I do think that, like, obviously, this is one of those rare cases where the movie is definitely better than the book. Right. But it's it's still a really good book. Yeah, yeah. It, I, when I, I was a kid, it was a bestseller. The book was a phenomenon based on the movie. Everybody mm-hmm. had a copy of that book and was reading the book. You know, so it was, yeah. a, it was huge. It was huge. Totally. Um, and I understand where Benchley was coming from with like, uh, you know, adding the, I don't want to, well, obviously the books, are however many years old, I don't think yeah. I need to worry about spoilers for Jaws, but like the whole, uh, Hooper and Ellen right. pl- subplot and everything. I'm like, you know, that actually, uh, I, I personally think everyone says that that doesn't add anything to the book. I entirely disagree. I think it makes the, the climax of the book, uh, kind of hit harder, but, I, I kind of wish I would get another 20 pages. What Wasn't there something like a, mo- a mob money or something? Yes. Some weird Larry Vaughn yeah, like Larry, Larry bon was, uh, that's the reason why he wanted to keep the beaches open. That's right. Is that's because right. he got caught up in the mob when, or the mafia when he was younger. And, <laughs> uh, and they, they wouldn't, re- they wouldn't let him repay his debt. They just kept on leading him on being like, no, you'll repay us in another way. And they just kept draining him of his money. And then he became the mayor of Amityville and, or Amity. And, uh, he just kept, he, he was a constant paycheck for them. Yeah. So yeah. I, I a, thought the, I thought the book the type was of thing that works, great. you know, that's yeah. the type of thing in a book. You can just let each right. character breathe and have backstories and stuff like that. So it, yeah. it all makes sense. Um, but yeah, oh, Joel's Joel's is in my top five, I, but it's like, all Spielberg movies are my top five one day or another, pretty much. Uh, the early ones, at least, not like Terminal and Catch Me If You Can. Not that they're yeah. bad movies; they're just not in my top five. No, they're just not the. They're not that Spielberg movie that we grew up with, like exactly. E.T. and Jaws, and yeah, he's done so many in Jurassic Park. Jurassic Park, yeah. Jurassic Park's another one. I probably should have put on my other list here, but I didn't. So okay, so they were they were my top nine. I decided to be weird and go with nine. Uh, and uh, I don't know what I'd put for 10. I'd have to, again, it would probably be a Stephen King thing. It would probably be right. Um, so here's my weird list. I, I just started thinking of movies that I had read the book before I saw the movie. I, I liked the book, but not necessarily the movie. Uh, okay, so that's here, now thing. that's a weird-ass list. <laughs> don't you dare mention Dreamcatcher. It's one here. No, it's not. <laughs> I, I don't think I read Dreamcatcher. I, I think I gave up on Stephen King somewhere around the Tommyknockers. Which yeah. was probably right before. Was, was that when he got clean? No. Oh. Yeah, it was <laughs> no, a little sure that's when he was in the thick of things. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, you know, I kind of was a first wave Stephen King guy. And I've, I've picked some of his books up since then. But again, I like the thinner ones, not the, not the thicker ones now. And he doesn't seem to do that too often. No. Um, so, <laughs> number six. Here, here we go. This is a weird one. Phantoms. 
Like with Ben Affleck? <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> okay. So ben Affleck was a bomb in Thanos. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah. Ben Affleck was a bomb in Thanos. So right out of the gate with Phantoms, I actually really like the book Phantoms. It's a Dean R. Koontz book. It has a lot of dread in it. It has a pretty interesting kind of intellectual supernatural plot. Right. But then they, they turned it into this movie because they were coming off a of scream. And I think they were like, let's get Rose McGowan and Ben Affleck. Totally. Look at the this. cover of that movie, man. They, they just wanted to make scream again. Yeah. But I, I really, it's, it was one of, I was a big Dean R. Koontz fan growing up. So he was kind of like this, the guy next to Stephen King. He lived next to him and he never really had a good movie made from any of his books. Um, one of my favorite books is Servants of the Twilight was made into a movie and it's like a really horrible movie, but I love the book. Um, but anyway, Phantoms is one that I almost think I was talking to a friend of mine today. I almost think you could redo it. You could reboot it and just do right. the versions of, of it and it would probably be halfway decent. So, so anyway, Phantoms was my number six there. Uh, awesome pick. This, this is my top six for some reason. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of random. Love it. Number, you know what? For the course of our show, this is perfect. Okay, good. Good. <laughs> uh, in, in the end, it, it came out to the 15 movies, I guess. Uh, I don't know what I was thinking. It could have been 20. could have been 12. So number, number five was I Am Legend. Um, oh, oh yes. yeah, yeah. That actually yeah. is a very interesting book, but way different than the movie. Way different than the couple movies that was made. Yeah. And it's right, one of my right. favorite books. So. Yeah, Rich, Rich Matheson. Yep, yep. And um, I guess there's... You know, you could do Stir of Echoes in here too. That's another. Oh man, <laughs> I just watched that over quarantine as well. Like I, I haven't, uh, I haven't read the book, but uh, I love that movie. Matheson is really easy to read, so yeah. it's kind of worth the read because you can just fly right through the book. It is, it is kind of different that the Stir of Echoes. Um, I, I am Legend, of course. The big difference, and it's kind of been talked about enough, is that in the book the vampires are intelligent, mm -hmm. and in all the movies they make them like zombies. And the cool thing about the book is by the time you get to the end of it, you realize the hero is essentially Dracula to these vampires. Yeah, yeah. It's the switcheroo at the end. Yeah, it's so, and it's so awesome. Uh, and that's kind of what's lost in the movie versions. Uh, but I don't know. It's another one that wouldn't surprise me if they remade it one day and just kind of went down the intelligent vampire version. Um, maybe make it a little lower budget or make it a TV show. I could see it. I could see it being a... <laughs> Straight to TV. <laughs> yeah. Totally, yeah. Um, uh, World War Z is another one I read uh, before I saw the movie. And, and I, those are completely different as well. They're very different, you know. And I, I'm a big World War Z fan. I, I The audiobook's really great if you if you ever get a chance because yeah. it's cast. Max it's kind of like, like listening or reading like a documentary almost. Or like a, You know, like it's summaries of things. It is. It's, it's kind of like a, it's an oral history is what it's like. Like, yeah. um, as a kid, I read, there was, there was a, there's a book called bloods, which is like the, uh, the black experience through v the Vietnam war. And it was right. an oral history. And I, I remember world war Z kind of reminded me of that. You know, I was a big fan of those kind of oral histories. Um, uh, and world war Z really hit that well. And it's kind of like the only zombie book well, I, I mean, I, I don't count I Am Legend as a zombie book, but one of the yeah. zombie books that I really, I really dig. Then I just kind of have my Jack Ketchum category. Uh, yes. and, and the one, I'm a big Lucky McGee guy. Uh, May is one of the movies I'd put on my last, you know, 20 years as one of my favorites. Great and, movie. Um, 
Yeah, I love I love May, but for this one I put um, I put Red uh, because I love the book. I don't really remember the movie too much, except that when John Wick came out, I was like, it, they, "That's Red." Basically. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's so similar, but with Brian Cox. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Brian Cox more as a horror movie than a yeah. than a you know action movie. But Brian Cox is so good in everything he's in, but he's really good in that. Yeah. And again, uh, you know, I love to see Lucky McGee, and it's a real simple story. Whereas yeah. some of the other Jack Ketchum movies um, get either really complex or um, or, or just really disturbing. Uh, which I don't mind the disturbing part, but um, yeah. Red is just so simple that it's it's kind of it's kind of fun. Uh, number two is one of my favorite books uh, growing up, and I, I put It Chapter One uh, because mm. I'm not a big fan of It Chapter Two. Uh, it's not, and I think the reason I don't like it is because, uh, I think it's hard to do it chapter two, the way they structured it. I think it's really hard to, to break it apart. Whereas it, the book of course is structured as like, kind of like lost, you know, it's like you're in the current timeline and then every few chapters you get the past and it kind of flips back and forth. Yeah. Uh, Just undoubtedly that the, the child stories are more interesting than the adults. Exactly. And so I think when you show it chapter one and then have to come back and do a movie for it chapter two, it gets very redundant. A lot of the mysteries are already solved, you know? So a lot of the things they do in the book, like you're like, what the hell is this? But then in the, in the movie of it chapter two, you kind of already know. So they had to do a lot of other things. They had to go. Yeah. They tried so hard to make, make things shocking in other ways. Exactly. yeah. Exactly. It, it was it was really a tall task, but yeah, I, I'm glad they did it the way they did it because I'm satisfied enough with just it chapter one. Uh, that was a that was a really fun movie uh, for me. And then last but not least, I put Candyman on there just because okay. uh, yeah. I, I was a huge um, Books of Blood guy, and this was one of the few on here besides it chapter one. I'd say, and, and there are some other good ones that truly was an intersection of like one of one of my favorite books. Even though I, I can't say I was a huge fan of that particular story, and, and that, you know that wasn't. If you ask me of the books of blood, what are my favorite stories? That one would probably fall somewhere in the back. Um, okay. But the books of blood were hugely influential, and uh, Candyman was a was a huge movie for me, and I can't wait to see the new one. So I oh, put man, that one yeah, up. so much. Yeah, that movie's great, and then Nia DaCosta, her new movie looks amazing as well. Yeah, yeah I I can't wait to see that. That's, That's awesome, man. Thank you so much for uh, preparing those lists, man. That, yeah, that's awesome. Thank you so much. Oh, I love um, writing. I love writing stupid lists like that. It's not, it's <laughs> it's the best. Glad you put some thought into it, honestly. <laughs> um, do you have anything coming up you want to plug, or you know? I, I'm trying to think. There's nothing right now that I have nothing that, going on that's pending. I, I just finished directing a short for a co- uh, what's it called? A comedy of horrors. And okay. I did one. I did one of the uh, shorts, and it's an anthology. Um, and I'm literally about to go to um, sound design and uh, the mix like next week. So it's okay. probably still got several months before that comes out. Right. Maybe, maybe it'll be next Halloween. Uh, okay. If they, if they divorce it from Halloween, you might see it in like January, February, or something like that. Um, aside from that, I. Uh, it's funny. I do have a book, but I didn't think I'm allowed to say what that is yet. So I, I'll hold off on that. And I, what, I think that's what about it. your other book. 
Yeah, Nomad. Nomad yeah. came out last year, correct? Yeah, Nomad came out last year. And like I said, that's a, um, it's, I basically took a screenplay I wrote, let's see, how long ago was that? 14 years ago? And I, I completely kind of reimagined it over the years because it, it almost went as a, as a movie. Then we reimagined it as a TV show. It almost went as a graphic novel. And then finally I wrote it as a novel. So, um, and it, like I said, it's, it's a little like Pandorum, kind of in a almost YA kind of setting. It's, okay. it's, uh, it's a, uh, you know, a woman wakes up, doesn't know she's, I guess she's 19. Uh, she wakes up, doesn't know how she got on this kind of spaceship alone. And somebody's kind of somebody or something is kind of stalking her, uh, trying to kill her. So it's, okay. it's, it's one of those thin, you can read it in one sitting kind of novels. It's, and, and people have told me they have read it in one sitting. So, um, if you're into those, check it out. It's kind of sci-fi. Awesome. I, I have one more thing for you. This is a little gift from us to you before you okay. go. Uh, I was looking on your IMDb, and you are a Sagittarius. Correct? I am. I am. Well, you, get ready for today's horoscope for you. This okay. won't matter to the listeners. <laughs> are you fucking kidding me? No, no. It's time to get real and admit there are certain things that are beyond your control. Stop beating your head against the wall and tell yourself you can try again at a later date. <laughs> I, I needed to hear that. I Jamie, know, I, I, <laughs> Jamie, you got to write another movie. You got to put yes, another please. movie out for us. We we love your stuff. We love talking to you, and uh, we'd love to have you back if you yeah. ever want to come back. Whenever, man. This oh, is yeah. great. Yeah, lovely Molly too. Electric Boogaloo. Can't wait for that. <laughs> we're, we're we're on that right now. <laughs> this time it's personal. That's right. That's right. Maybe, maybe we'll do a versus movie of a couple of these. <laughs> oh, there yeah. you go. Do lovely you, Molly versus exists. Yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> Did you want people to follow you on Twitter, or do you want them to yeah. leave you alone? No, no, they can they can certainly follow me there. That's kind of my default spot these days. Yeah. So it's at Jamie J A M I E underscore Nash, and you can find me there. Yeah, yeah. Please do because it's weird. Every time I like pitch like the comic book companies and stuff, they're like, you know, it's really important that you have a lot of Twitter followers. So I've been weird. that's so fucking stupid. Well, let's, yeah, let's, I get let's it. boost I get those it. numbers. Let's go. Yeah, exactly. I've been nurturing. <laughs> I've been nurturing that for the last couple of years. So keep it going. Keep it going. Well, hopefully I'll get, get a couple more off of this one. So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> awesome, man. Well, thank you so much again for joining us. And thank you to Boozy for reaching out to you. Because this is this is one of our uh, one of my favorite episodes. <laughs> this is awesome, yeah. man. I, I don't know you're... how I follow you or you followed me, but I'm just looking through and I'm like, this guy says he wrote Lovely Molly, which I fucking love. So I was yeah, like, Boozy, I'm going to DM him. Boozy yeah, well, jacks off that movie lot. <laughs> <laughs> that was like, I was like, this this guy. I'm going to actually be on the podcast where the seat of Joe Dante's uh, butt. <laughs> you know. Yeah, please make sure you mention that first of all. That's our big thing here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> Joe exactly. Dante's Perfect. butt cheeks have sort of been in this place. No, that's awesome. <laughs> that's awesome, man. Thanks so much for yeah, joining us. You. And uh, yeah, good luck on everything coming up. And uh, stay safe. Yeah, you too. Uh, thanks so much. This is a lot of fun. Yeah, thank you. Perfect.